Well, it is an honor to be here at Northside Church and uh, to actually be here, like at Northside Church. I, I know that you're, you're watching and listening, but I'm just so honored to be back here. And uh, it's, it's been a joy to connect with Pastor Nate. And just in case you hear like an amen during this sermon, I don't know if it's going to happen, but if you hear someone say amen, that's not artificial intelligence. That's actually there are Northside staff and leaders here uh, joining me. And so uh, if you hear that, I mean, I'm not trying to call for an amen, but I'm just saying. If you heard one, it's like a real amen from somebody who's been transformed by Jesus Christ. <laughs> so uh, we are closing out uh, a sermon series called Unstoppable Force. It's based on the book of Acts. If you're just joining us, you are not too late. I mean, you are right on time. I'm going to read from uh, the book of Acts chapter 10. The book of Acts chapter 10 beginning with verse 1. I'm going to read about 20 verses here, so just hang with me. I know it's a lot of scripture, but just hang with me here. Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. From this text, I want to speak to you on the title, The Bridge of Unstoppable Grace. The Bridge of Unstoppable Grace. God, I pray that this would be your message, that ultimately you would be speaking, and I would just be the vehicle, the vessel that you've decided to use to say what you want to say to these, your beloved children, my sisters and brothers. God, I desire to be obedient to your word, so please let it be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. The bridge of unstoppable grace. 
I live in Sacramento, California, where I serve as a pastor, but I'm born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And um, I'll never forget August 1st, 2007. This was a tragic day in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul in the state of Minnesota when a portion of the I-35 bridge that connects Minneapolis and St. Paul, a portion of the bridge of this interstate in Minnesota collapsed. Yes, this bridge, I-35W, connects the twin cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. It came crashing down into the Mississippi River. This is an eight-lane, 1,907-foot-long highway bridge over the Mississippi River that collapsed. It was 1,000 feet of the deck truss that collapsed about 456 feet of the main span falling 108 feet into the 15-foot deep river. There were, 11, uh, there were, there were uh, 111 vehicles on the portion of the bridge that collapsed. 13 people died, 45 people injured. In the midst of this tragedy, there was a school bus that was on the bridge and as the bridge collapsed, this school bus, I don't know how, somehow, m miraculously, uh, it's hard to explain. This school bus went down, but it went down in such a way that it found itself uh, on the banks of the Mississippi River. And there were kids crying out from this school bus. A young man named Nate, who was working nearby, he ran to the scene. He ran to the pain, to the cries, to the injuries to the collapse, he ran there to the brokenness and he helped kids get off that bus. I knew Nate because Nate was a member of the church I was pastoring at the time in Minneapolis. See, at the point of brokenness, God puts it on the hearts of God's people to respond. We are not to uh, participate further in brokenness and pain and tragedy. We are to run, to serve as bridges of God's grace and love and peace and reconciliation and truth. We, sisters and brothers, are in a broken, divided world. I, I, I don't mean this metaphor in any way to make light of the real pain that was caused when the Interstate 35 West Bridge, this portion of it, collapsed in 2007. No, not at all. But as I think about the collapse of the bridge, it, 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 it makes me wonder about the collapses, the chasms, the divides that exist within humanity. The brokenness, the pain, the divides that are real on a daily basis. And there's a need for the church to serve as a bridge. See, because of that tragic event, there, there were studies done on bridges across the entire United States of America. And, and so there, there were bridges that were, that were looked at, that were rebuilt, that were replaced because old bridges won't do and chasms won't do because uh, we need bridges to get to destinations. Bridges serve as, as, as this platform, as this way of getting us from one place to another. It's, it's a way to connect us. And there are too many chasms 
in this broken, divided, upside-down world. Ah, what if the church served as a bridge of God's unstoppable grace in a broken, divided world? The book of Acts, the book of Acts shows us that God's mission in the world is unstoppable. I mean, whatever the the problems that arise, whatever the situations in the book of Acts, it just can't stop the move of God. It can't stop the mission of God. God's mission in this upside down, sinful, broken world is unstoppable. Persecution, division, oppression, injustice, incarceration, prejudice, arrogance, Pride, nothing can stop God's mission. Satan can't stop God's mission. Death could not stop God's mission. And the book of Acts from the beginning to the very end is just showing moment after moment where the force of God, the love of God, the mission of God cannot be stopped. And and, and the church must align itself with this unstoppable mission, with this unstoppable mission. Grace. Ah, yes. What if the church became a bridge? Let's go back here to the text. Acts chapter 10, verse 1, it says, At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Here's point one. God builds bridges of unstoppable grace. God builds bridges of unstoppable grace. Uh, uh, God builds bridges. Which means uh, you, you could say that in the very beginning when God created the heavens and the earth and God made the animals in the sky and animals on the land and animals in the water and he made humanity, human beings in his own image and told them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This was a bridge uh, between uh, God's dwelling place and our dwelling place. There, there was supposed to be this reality of great connectedness with God and great connectedness with one another. See, when God says, fill the earth, we were still going to become a diverse people. I mean, as as human beings filled the earth and we adapted to the various environments of the creation of God, we would be a, a, a diverse people, but we were never meant to be a divided people. We were meant to be bridged to God and bridged to one another to God's glory. But sin collapses that. So God in Christ Jesus 
Jesus, he rebuilds the bridge. He makes a way for you and I to be reconnected to God, an intimate relationship, identity in Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and he makes way for us to be reconciled to one another so that race, so that ethnicity, so that nationality, so that nothing would separate us or divide us. God rebuilds bridges. But what we learn in this story in Acts chapter 10 is God expands bridges. God expands bridges so that people can get on the bridge, even people that we don't expect on the bridge. The Jewish followers of Christ, the initial followers, believed that this mission, that this unstoppable grace and love was for them. For the Jews, those that that God had made a covenant with years and years and years ago, they, they, they thought that Jesus had come, that Jesus had died and rose for the restoring of the kingdom of Israel. I mean, as Acts begins... Even after Jesus died on the cross and rose, what, what the apostles, the, the initial followers of Jesus are asking, they, they ask the resurrected Jesus, is it time to restore the kingdom of Israel? Ah, but this unstoppable mission, this unstoppable grace is bigger than just a, 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 a bridge to the Jews. It's also a bridge to Gentiles like Cornelius. Yes, Cornelius. I mean, Cornelius? I mean, any Jewish person, a Jewish follower of Christ would go, it's for Cornelius. God's unstoppable grace is for Cornelius. He's a centurion, which means he's a part of the Roman state, the Roman empire that that is oppressing the Jews, that is marginalizing the Jews. So he represents the Roman empire. He represents military power. He, he, at the time, he would represent military power, law enforcement power. That's what he represents. He represents authority. He represents slaveholding. He represents uh, war. And yet God says, you don't get to determine who my unstoppable grace is for. The people that you might be divided against, the people that you disagree with, the people that you hate, the people that you despise, we don't get to decide who gets, who has access to God's unstoppable grace. God's unstoppable grace is for Cornelius, one who would have been in a position of being against initially the movement of Jewish followers of Christ. But that's why I have found that on bridges today, there, there, there's a, a, a new thing on bridges. It's called a carpool lane. Yeah, I, I live in Northern California, so sometimes I, I find myself going from uh, Sacramento to San Francisco. And when you're heading there to get into downtown uh, San Francisco, you, you cross over the Bay Bridge. As you're going towards the Bay Bridge, uh, the, the lanes expand. And if you have multiple people in your car, 
You can actually get in this lane called the carpool lane and you can get to your destination a little faster. But you can't get in the carpool lane unless you have additional people in the vehicle with you. There are destinations that God wants to get you and I to. But to get to those destinations in the manner in which God desires that we would, we have to let other people get into our vehicle. We have to allow other people to get into our life. God is making a way for Jew and Gentile to connect because God builds bridges uh, to every nation, to every tribe, to every tongue, to all that would say yes to Jesus Christ. There is a bridge of unstoppable grace built towards them. This is the unstoppable grace of God. God builds bridges. You know, in Acts Chapter 9, we read about another bridge that God built, a bridge to one named Saul. Saul, when we find him uh, around chapter 8 and chapter 9, he is one that is persecuting Jewish followers of, uh, of Christ. Now, he saw himself, Saul, as a God-fearing man. He saw himself as one that understood the law of God, understood what we now call the Old Testament. He, he knew God. He had authority. And he, he was seeing about the incarceration, the persecution of Jewish followers of Christ. You know, it is possible to think you already know God, but not be on God's mission. It's possible to, to believe that you know everything that you need to know about being connected to God. But on the road to Damascus, we find out in Acts chapter 9 that Saul needed a bridge so he could become Paul. Ah, God builds bridges of unstoppable grace. But point two, God raises up people full of unstoppable grace. Point two, God raises up people full of unstoppable grace. Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse nine, it says this. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down uh, to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. God raises up people full of unstoppable grace. Here is Peter who needed a bridge himself. I mean, God had to rebuild a bridge to Peter. Peter, though he was one of the original disciples, he didn't always get it. You know, it's possible to follow Jesus and have moments in our life where we have to admit, I got it wrong. I, I, I thought I saw it right. When, when Jesus was arrested, 
Peter cut off the ear of a soldier with a sword. And Jesus said, no, Peter, you don't get it. And he replaced the ear. When Jesus was arrested and heading to the cross. Peter denied Jesus three times. And, 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 and Jesus, though, after dying on the cross and coming out of the grave, meets Peter and restores him. And even after all that, here is Peter again needing God to give him fresh vision, to help him understand how big his unstoppable grace really is. So while Peter is hiding out in an unclean place, he gets hungry and he goes up on the roof to pray. Maybe he's saying, I'm just going to pray and hang out for a little while. I hope this meal is ready. And so he, 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 he falls into something like a sleep. He, he has a vision, a dream of sorts. And in this vision, God says, are you hungry, Peter? You're really hungry? Okay, here you go. Eat this. Why don't, why don't you have a, a, a gecko po' boy? Why don't you have a lizard submarine sandwich? Since you're so hungry, since you can't wait for the meal to get done, how, how about a vulture stew? And Peter's like, I can't eat this. This is unclean. I, 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 I can't eat this. You know, um, my dad is from a small town outside of Monroe, Louisiana. When I was growing up as a kid, I used to go down to Monroe, uh, Louisiana, or this small town outside of Monroe, and I would stay, my younger brother Tremaine and I, with my grandparents. And, uh, and I would meet a lot of my cousins and other relatives. And so I had an older cousin. Her name was uh, uh, Cousin O'Rail, and uh, she loved to cook. She loved to barbecue. And so they had these old school, uh, with, instead of looking like a grill today, it looked like just a huge barrel with a grate on it. And she would put meat on there. And so I remember as a little kid that that meat on the grill smelled so good. And I would go and look at it. And, and my cousin O'Rail, she would say, look, don't get too close to that barrel. You'll burn yourself. But that meat smelled so good. I was only about 12 years old or so. So I walked up to the grill. And, and there, was a, there was a piece of meat that had disconnected from the, 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 the larger piece of meat. And it was just hanging on the edge of the grate. So I just, I just took it and I ate it. Oh, it tasted so good. And, and my cousin O'Rell, she said, didn't I tell you not to go up to that barrel? You could have burned yourself. And I said, mm-hmm. And she said, is it good? I said, yes, Cousin O'Rell, this is the best chicken I've ever had in my life. And she said, boy, that's not chicken, that's armadillo. <laughs> okay, last time I checked, you can't get armadillo at the Safeway or the Piggly Wiggly or Cub Foods or Target Grocery or the Walmart grocery section. I've never been in the grocery in the meat section to any grocery establishment and seen armadillo. There's only two ways you can get armadillo. That's hunt it or hit it. That, that's, a, that's just about the only way you're going to get armadillo. And, and, and for a moment I was like, ugh, but how can I say ugh? I already said it was good. See, could it be spiritually, God wants to change your taste buds. God wants to transform who we say is clean, who we say is unclean, 
who we say gets it right and who we say is wrong. We live in this broken, divided, upside down world where we are quick to judge and decide who's wrong, who's an idiot, who doesn't get it, who's far away. And we get to always put ourselves on the side of right. We always get to place ourselves on the side of who's intelligent, who's more human, who more gets it, who's more spiritual, who's more godly. And you'll never get to Cornelius's house if you think this way. God has to change our spiritual taste buds. God has to soften our heart in such a way. God has to do something to our minds in such a way that we move ourselves from the dominant form of what we've been conditioned of what Christianity is so we can step into authentic, biblical Christianity that is beyond the nation you live in, that is beyond your political party, that is beyond whether you grew up on a dirt road or concrete or in a nice cul-de-sac in a suburb. God wants to do something. God wants to change your dreams and your passions in such a way aligned with the Holy Spirit that you will go into spaces that you haven't gone into before. You'll go to neighborhoods you haven't been to before. You'll make friends with people you haven't made before, all for the cause of God's unstoppable grace in Christ Jesus. God raises up people full of unstoppable grace. You and I don't get to decide who's clean and who's not clean. God decides that. You and I don't get to decide who's in and out. Now, we have an understanding because we have the word of God. But, but please, let's know, we don't build bridges. God does. We just get on them. We, we don't make people clean. God does that. We don't save people. God does that. We don't transform people. God does that. And you know what Peter didn't know? Is that already at the house of his enemy, God was already speaking. Could it be that the people that we disagree with, the people that we don't like, the people that we're going after on social media, what if God's doing something in their lives that you don't know about? God was already at Cornelius' house before Peter said yes to go there because God's unstoppable grace is even for the outsider. For the enemy. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. understood this. During the civil rights movement, which I still believe is, is, is the most spiritually pristine, divine example of what resistance looks like, it was rooted in the church, it was rooted in prayers and hymns, it was nonviolent. And, and this, this resistance, King. His ultimate goal was the beloved community, the kingdom of God. Yes, social transformation. Yes, equality. Yes, justice. But he also said he wanted a, a second conversion. He wanted people that opposed the civil rights movement to have such an encounter with God that they would be renewed again. And that's what had to happen to Peter. He had to be renewed again by God's unstoppable grace so that he would be so full of God's unstoppable grace that he would go to Cornelius' house. In Acts 15, we see again this whole issue of people trying to figure out who's clean, who's unclean, who's in, who's out. There was a whole council put together at Jerusalem to discuss, could the Gentiles 
be a part of a Christ-following movement? Did the men need to be circumcised? Did they have to eat the, fully the way that, that the Jewish followers of Jesus were eating? What did they have to do? And, and, and what happened is that there was this thought when this council came together that if they don't do everything that we're doing in our Jewish culture to follow Jesus, they can't follow Jesus the way we're following Jesus. If they don't follow the law, they can't follow Jesus with us. Here's the problem, though. The law had been added to. The law had been manipulated. I mean, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had come up with all kinds of laws to add and put on top of the laws that were the real laws of God. So it became confusing between what were the real laws of God and what were the man-made additions to the laws of God. Which is why, praise God, in Acts 15, it was clarified what it takes to be in Jesus, Jesus, to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's what gets you in. God raises up people full of unstoppable grace. And finally, God empowers us with unstoppable grace for reconciliation. God empowers us with unstoppable grace for reconciliation. I'm just going to uh, tell you this part, and, and I hope you read it for your own. I hope you, you, you take some time this coming week to really dive into Acts chapter 10. Because Paul, I mean, I'm sorry, Peter, Peter makes it to Cornelius' house. And when Peter arrives, oh, he's transformed as he's a vehicle of transformation through God's unstoppable grace. He meets with Cornelius and Cornelius, his family, his household comes to Christ. That means there are other people with military influence that come to Christ. That means God's unstoppable grace is now infiltrating the Roman Empire. See, uh, regardless of where you are politically, regardless of, of, of where you are, I, I want you to know that, that God doesn't need just our actions to infiltrate places. Now, we need to participate in democracy. I mean, we should vote. I mean, I praise God I live in a country where you get a vote. I praise God that I live in a country where you can participate in the free market enterprise. I praise God that I live in a country where we can worship Jesus without fear of being arrested. I praise God for that. And at the same time that we should live in that, we should also acknowledge that God can work above all that. God can infiltrate the Roman Empire with unstoppable grace. And that means God can infiltrate every societal domain in the United States of America with grace and love and truth and biblical justice and generosity, transformation and empowerment. Nothing can stop God. Nothing can stop God. And that's how Acts ends. Okay, I just preached through the whole book of Acts. This is how it ends. Acts chapter 28, verse 31. The one formerly known as Saul, now Paul. He, well, Acts says this as it concludes. It says that Paul proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about Jesus Christ. It didn't talk about what his political party was. It didn't talk about his Roman citizenship, which was real. 
It didn't talk about his Jewishness, which was real. It didn't talk about all the authority and power he had. It didn't talk about that. It didn't talk about all the earthly accolades he had. It didn't talk about that. All it says is he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about Jesus Christ. I already established with you that I love living in the United States of America. I do. I love in a place where I can be in one part of the country and have deep dish pizza, and I can be in another part of the country and have clam chowder, and then I can be in my favorite part of the country and have fried catfish, collard greens, macaroni and cheese, yams, cornbread with melted butter and honey on it with a tall glass of sweet tea, followed up by a bowl of warm peach cobbler with three scoops of vanilla bean ice cream melting off the side of the bowl. Did you feel the Holy Spirit when I said all that? Did you feel the Lord? I love living in America. I, I, I honor those that sacrificed for this nation. And at the same time, one day I will stand before God. And God won't be interested in how great of an American I was. It'll be about how much did I serve as a citizen of the kingdom of God. How much did I commit myself to making disciples of all nations? How much did I surrender to God's unstoppable grace for the lost, for the broken, for the arrogant? Did I love my neighbor as myself? Did I love my enemies? That's what we ought to proclaim. The kingdom of God, Jesus Christ a bridge of unstoppable grace. Sisters and brothers, we didn't build the bridge, but we need to be the bridge in Jesus' name. What if the church decided to be an unstoppable bridge in a broken world? What if we decided to be a bridge over troubled waters? A bridge over the troubled waters of division. A bridge over the troubled waters of violence. A bridge over the troubled waters of oppression. A bridge over the troubled waters of, of prejudice and hatred and unforgiveness and sustained unrighteous anger. What if we decided to be a bridge over troubled waters? But even more, what if we decided to be a bridge through troubled waters? that the lost might be found and the hurting would be helped. Sisters and brothers, I want you to know you're qualified. You're qualified. God wants to use you and I collectively to be his bridge in a broken world. I hope that you would say yes to this. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray today you'd make that decision. You would say yes to the bridge that is the cross that Jesus died on and the tomb that Jesus rose from. Say yes to the bridge of all bridges. And then I pray that you would say yes to being a bridge in your neighborhood, on your job, at school, somehow in this broken world, that we would participate in the glory of God right now. God, I pray that you would strengthen the bridge that you sent to us. The bridge that transformed our lives, that called us to repentance, 
that we might be restored, redeemed, and made whole. And God, I pray that the church would be the solution to division, to brokenness, to upside-downness, to injustice, to arrogance, to pride, to ungodliness, to, to, to a, a continual losing of the value of life in the womb and in society. God, I pray that, that we would be your bridge of love, peace, generosity, compassion, reconciliation, until such time as you return. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part of this experience of worship. Amen.